please do sit down. Very warm welcome to you, particularly if you're here for the first time. And well, this is the second of two weeks looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the perfect body. We are going to be moving to Paul's letter to Titus next week for a few weeks to look at that and what that has to say to us today. But for this morning, let's turn back in the Bibles to page 1153. So we've got that in front of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time now. And please, would you open our eyes and our hearts to hear and to see and to listen hard, to see what it means in our lives, to see Jesus more clearly, so we can be your people more faithfully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, on the screen, which of these vegetables are you more like? I don't know if you know what both of those vegetables are. On the, on the left, fairly obvious, is an onion. Um, on the right is, is, I think, is one of those vegetables which might be known by different things in different places. I'm not sure, but uh, here, at least in England, this is called an artichoke. I don't know if that's familiar. I don't know how often you eat artichokes. Um, but what is the difference then? And which are you more like? Which am I more, more like? Well, last time we looked at the first um, 11 verses in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And we, be we began to think about who we are. If you're trusting in Jesus, who are we as Christians? Is my true identity to be found deep down inside me, or is it something else? And this is where onions and artichokes come in. Okay, so this analogy isn't original to me, but it's helpful, I think. The world around us says that we're like artichokes. Okay, so on the outside, we are shaped and moulded by society and the world around us. And what we need to do is to peel back the layers. So that's what you do with an artichoke. You peel it and you get, and you peel it and you peel it and peel it. And, and, and uh, with an artichoke, you peel it back. And what you find eventually is the artichoke heart. Okay, which is basically, I think, the yummy bit that you put in a salad, if that is your won't. So I have to say it's not mine, but it might be yours. So a bit of a faff, you have to kind of peel it back, but you get the heart, and that is there. And uh, we uh, talked briefly last week about Rousseau. Rousseau said, man is born free, but everywhere is in chains. And that is where this idea comes from, you see. Society, community, the world around us obscure who we really are, and you have to peel back those layers you want to know the real you look deep inside and there you will find it but what we began to see last time is that from the point of view of God who made us and, and he ought to know isn't is that that isn't actually what truly makes you you or me me because in fact we're more like onions in the sense that actually with an onion it's got the same idea you can peel back an onion you can keep peeling back the layers but when you do that what do you find you just keep peeling an onion and going and going and going and going well there's nothing there there is no heart of the onion there's just more and more layers and then it just sort of disappears the, it turns out the onion is the layers 
that you were peeling back. Because in fact, our identity, you see, is not fundamentally deep down inside us. It's from our relationships. Fundamentally with the God who made us, he tells us who we are. First of all. And then beyond that, with our relationships with those around us that form us through our lives for better or worse. Our families, our friendships, our networks of professional relationships, whatever it is. And and 1 Corinthians 12 is saying, for the Christian, a fundamental aspect of who you are, if you're trusting in Jesus, is that you are a member of the body. The body of Christ that is the church. That is who you and I are. And and, and part of that then is that you have gifts that God has given you, if you're trusting in Jesus, to bring to that body. Now that's what we began to see last time, if you were with us. But the thought that then follows is this. Well, okay, the the thing though is church doesn't always look like everyone has gifts to bring and to use. Sometimes it looks like a bunch of people kind of doing stuff at the front, and a bunch of other people kind of not doing very much and, 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 and not contributing. Sometimes it looks as if certain gifts and abilities are valued more than others. You know, in a church like this, maybe, you know, if you're, if you're able to teach and preach the Bible, not just in this kind of setting, but in youth and children's groups, in small groups, one-to-one, well, that kind of looks relatively useful and important. But if, if that's not you, well, where do you fit? Do you have a place? What about if you just can't see what gift you can possibly bring to the body? What if you're in a season of life when you really feel like you need to be carried rather than carry others? Like the wounded being asked to be a stretcher bearer. Well, this is what Paul turns to in the second half of the chapter. He begins in verses 12 to 14. If you look on page 1153, he's got a summary in those verses in in, in 12 to 14 of what he's already said, using slightly different imagery. He uses the word body for the first time, and he says, you are many parts but one body. And the way into the body is your baptism in the Spirit. And baptism in the Spirit is Paul's way of talking about coming to faith in Jesus. Now, we saw this a little bit last time. The Bible doesn't speak about a special, unique, second blessing of the Spirit that somehow follows becoming a Christian at some other point. Actually, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, if anyone does not have the Spirit, they do not belong to Christ. It's one and the same thing. Coming to faith in Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit. And then water baptism is the outward sign of that inward spirit baptism. So, okay, granted all that, that's just to explain what he means here. What he's saying now is that that moment when you come to faith in Christ which is the same moment as when you receive the Holy Spirit, that moment you also become part of the body. Okay, so that is, that is what he's saying. A body, verse 14, which is made up not of one part, but of many. And then we come to the substance of what he says that is new in these verses about those who are part of the body, and we can see it in three sections. So if you're following, you've got the the notice sheet, the back of that, you can see the, the headings. First of all, from verses 15 to 20, as those who are part of the body, verses 12 to 14, first of all, verse 15 to 20, don't overvalue particular gifts or people. 
Don't overvalue particular gifts or people. So we get a little bit of comedy from the Apostle Paul. So he says, you know, imagine a foot thinking, I really envy the hand. I mean, what do I do? You know, I just walk places. That is literally it. You know, I guess I run sometimes if I have to, but still, you know, hands can be used so much more flexibly for kind of eating and writing and, and they're not hidden behind socks and shoes all the time and they're on display and they get waved around at every opportunity. So that's really what the body is. It's the hand and the foot is saying, I'm not really very important, I'm not really part of this body at all. And Paul does the same with an ear and an eye. And of course, it's crazy, isn't it? So verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, well, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Do you see? You know, imagine the body is one massive hand. It would be like, that is, thing from the Adams family. But that's, you know, that's, that's grotesque. It's ridiculous. A body has many parts and you need all of them not just one part. Now, before we moved to Hampstead um, just over five years ago, um, our children were in a school where the local authority decided that across the entire county, year four in all the primary schools would learn the P-bone. Okay, now what is a P-bone? The P-bone is a piece of genius. It's a plastic trombone. And uh, I'm, I'm a trombone player. There's actually quite a few trombone players in St. John's, bizarrely, including two on the staff team, unbelievably. But I love the trombone. I think the trombone is fantastic. And, and the P-bone is brilliant because it's a plastic trombone, which means it costs, instead of costing sort of 1,500 pounds, it costs 100 pounds. And uh, you can drop it and it bounces rather than kind of breaks and you have to take it to the shop to be repaired or whatever. So it's brilliant for children. But let me tell you, the whole of year four, all playing the P-bone, is quite another matter. Right? You can imagine, can't you? And we, we left kind of in the middle of the, the academic year before we had to endure this. But the plan was for the year to end with a massive concert at the Royal Albert Hall, where year four, from every primary school in Buckinghamshire, would gather, and so I, I guess you'd have you know, a thousand children or something, all in the Royal Albert Hall, all with their P-bones, all playing the P-bone at exactly the same time. Now, do you want to go to that concert? Because <laughs> I definitely don't. But you see, the, the, the idea of an orchestra made up of a single instrument Many times over. Well, that's not an orchestra, is it? It's a very loud and ugly noise. So verse 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So Paul is saying, don't focus in on one particular gift or a few gifts and think, well, these are just the gifts that really matter in the church. As I said before, in a church like, like ours, it is often the kind of preaching, teaching, Bible-type gifts that people think are the kind of the ones that matter. But actually, a church made up of preachers is, is like a theological college chapel or something. It's a pretty weird place to be, let me tell you. 
Now, the body needs all the parts to function well. I heard someone liken preaching to the stomach in the body. So the stomach is the organ that takes in the spiritual food and then distributes it to where it's needed in the body. But the body needs more than a stomach. It needs the body parts that are fed by the stomach to do the work of the body in the world, to be the hands and feet of the body in homes and workplaces and friendship groups and families. Maybe in a church like ours as well, it's worth reflecting on the implications of being what we call a complementarian church, where we seek to put into practice the Bible's teaching about men and women being equal but having different roles in the body. Now, if that's a new thing and you haven't heard talk about that before, you can find a link to a talk on our website in the menus under who we are and our faith. And I'm very happy to talk further about that. But one of the implications of that understanding of the Bible is that, as you've probably observed if you've been here for a while, that preaching in a service like this is done by men. But when that's the case, we need to take extra care to remember and emphasize that there are many different opportunities for not just men but women to teach and be involved in teaching others including the different small groups, single-sex groups, ministry among children, youth, one-to-one. We need all of these. It's very easy also to look around and be envious of the gift that somebody else has. You know, you think, oh, she's so natural at sharing her faith with people. He's a fantastic musician. She's so brilliant at quietly encouraging people behind the scenes and praying for people. And I'm, I'm not any of those things, so I don't really belong, you know. To use the language of Prince Harry, I'm, I'm just the spare. But in, in the people of God, you see, there are no spares. You know, there are only heirs of Christ who belong and are loved and have a place and a contribution to make. So don't overvalue particular gifts or people, Paul is saying. If you're trusting Jesus, you're part of the body, your gifts are needed, you are needed. But then he switches and he makes a similar but complementary point. So secondly, verses 21 to 26, don't undervalue particular gifts or people. So while it's true that sometimes people can be overawed by other people's gifts and think, oh, I feel so inferior, there are other times when people can be tempted to look down on other people's gifts and think, well, why don't they contribute more? I mean, that's pretty rubbish, you know, whatever it is. You know, at least I'm there every week with the youth. You know, where is so-and-so? At least I'm there serving tea and coffee after church. Where is so-and-so? Well, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the, things, the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And so on. Can you see what he's saying? A body has stronger and weaker parts. It has parts that are on display for all to see and parts that are rightly covered up. But what is the point of that when it comes to the body, the church? Verse 25, 
so that there should be no division and each part should have equal concern for each other. So this is saying whoever you are, whatever your gifts, whether they're obvious and well-known or behind the scenes and quiet, whether you're strong with lots of energy or, or, or weak with illness, weak with doubts even, well, you're still part of the body. And what happens to one part happens to all. That is verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. You know, I heard it put like this. When someone runs a marathon and they get to the end and it's a fantastic achievement and we want to say, that's amazing, you got to the end, congratulations. When we say that to them, who or what do we congratulate? Do we kind of say, excuse me, I'm just going to crouch down on the floor because I really want to say congratulations to your feet. Is that what we say for what you've just achieved? No, we don't do that. We congratulate the person whose whole body has been involved in this feat of endurance. Paul is saying the whole body is involved in what happens to its individual parts. And in our kind of individualistic world, actually this is a great challenge. Great challenge to Christians. It's a challenge to enter fully into other people's suffering and other people's joy. Because both can be difficult, can't they? In one way or another, because of fear, because of envy. It's a challenge to feel safe enough to share our struggles or joys in the first place so that others know what's going on, so that they can join in in the body. And that can be difficult. It can be a source of pain. I don't want to pretend any church, and certainly our church, will always get this right. You know, maybe you've known the pain of thinking, oh, my Christian friends, you know, my church, they they know I'm suffering, but they don't seem to be all that interested. You know, they don't seem to be all that caring. There are other things to think about, or they just seem to think I should just move on, or whatever it is. Well, the, the reality is this body that we're part of is not a perfect body this side of Jesus's return. We need to aim for a culture that is deliberately not like the world around us. And remember that this kind of imperfect body will always be full of sinners trying to love other sinners. People in need of change helping people in need of change. And sometimes we'll be on the giving side of that, sometimes we'll be on the receiving side of that. And actually most of the time we'll be on both sides of that at once because that's how it works. People in need of change, helping people in need of change. And sometimes our disappointment and even our pain is fueled by expecting people to be perfect when actually that isn't the case. But also that means caring for the weaker parts of the body is something any of us can be involved in. We, you know, we, we can't wait till we've got everything sorted ourselves. In the end, the body is only as healthy as its weakest part. And those who are genuinely weak through illness or age or other infirmity, actually, their role is to remind the whole body that life isn't about clinging on to strength at all costs. Because weakness is nothing to be feared. 
when you're part of the body. Weakness, in fact, is the path that Jesus took when he went to the cross. Weakness peels back the layers of self-reliance so that it's clear that all that's left is trust and faith and relying on God and other people because we can't rely on ourselves anymore. And the world around us, and particularly a city like London, just says all the time, you've got to, you've got to be tough. You've got to, be, you've got to do it yourself. And in the body of Christ, we need to be able to say it's okay to, to not be like that because we are, we are a body, not a bunch of individuals who have to tough it out alone. So let's be a place where the weak in particular are honoured. But then finally, Paul sums up the message of the whole chapter now in the final verses. Use your gifts in the body of Christ with love, from verses 27 to 31. So verse 27, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And actually, this is the first time he's, he's actually said that the body we're part of is the body of Christ. And it's a striking phrase because it gives such value to the church. See, this is not just any group, any collection, any body. It is the body of Christ. This is saying if you want to find Jesus, if you want to see Jesus today, look at his people. That is the significance of that phrase. So when we go to work, we are Jesus' hands and feet at work, doing his work as his body. Headline after headline says the church is declining, the church is on its way out, the church is taking yet another step to irrelevance, whatever it might be. No, the church is the body of Christ. And each of us has a part in that body. And he, he runs down the list again of the gifts that he's been discussing and, and apostles and prophets and teachers and the other things as well. And if you want to go back and if you weren't here last time, go and listen back to that talk, the sermon from last week and you'll hear some discussion of those specific things that he mentions there. But then he says, verse 29, again, is everyone the same thing? Does everyone have the same gift? No, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And what does he mean by that? Well, actually, he then answers that in chapter 13. So, eagerly desire the greatest gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And actually, it becomes clear then that in, in using that kind of language, of having, having spent the whole chapter of saying there is no gift that is somehow the best one, and then the rest are not as good, He's not saying, you know, he's using that phrase ironically. Eagerly desire the greater gifts, because what matters in the end, chapter 13, the one thing that really matters, the one thing you really need, is love in the way that you use whatever gifts you have been given. Are we using our gifts for ourselves, to build ourselves up, to make ourselves kind of look good in front of other people? Or are we using what we've been given for others, for God, out of love, not self-seeking, self-glorification. Use your gifts in the body. Well, how then do we respond to this? Well, for some we might say, well, 
Yes, I'm using my gifts, but I'm exhausted. I'm stretched sometimes to the limit. It doesn't always feel like a joy. And there could be all kinds of things to think about there. You know, sometimes it's right, it, 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 it's right to say it's time to press pause, to find a new way to serve. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. Sometimes it's about saying, well, I've just forgotten why I'm doing this. I've lost my connection to the body. I've forgotten that this is about Jesus and not me. I need to remember that this is his work. And so sometimes that means that we, we have a, there might be a perfectionist kind of tendency within us that kind of says, if I can't do this perfectly, I, I don't want to do it at all. But actually, if this is Jesus' work and not ours, it doesn't have to be like that, does it? Because it's his work. It doesn't, you know, if it reflects slightly badly on me, well, it doesn't matter. It's his work and not mine. So sometimes there's a bit of humility that needs to come in with that. And we can trust the results to him and say, that's okay. But uh, it might not be that. It might not be that we're just thinking, um, I, I've forgotten why I'm doing this. Others might say, you know, I, I don't know where to start. I can't see how I fit. I, I can't think what my gifts are. Or I, I have a sense of my gifts, but I can't see any use for them. And we, and we want to say to each other as a church that um, we, 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 we want to hear what we think each other's gifts are. We want to, to give each other opportunities to be able to, to discover and use those gifts. We're going to do some work on that a little bit in the small groups this term. So if you're part of a small group, there'll be an opportunity to discuss that together within that context, and we hope that will be helpful. But we want to say to each other generally, let's be thinking about what, what we could do. And if there's, if there's something that we think, well, I, there is something I could do, and that, that, that it doesn't seem to happen in the life of the church currently, but I have this gift and this passion, well, we want to hear about that. Because this is the body where everybody has a role, and it might be that there's something the body could be doing, but it isn't happening. Well, let's discover what that is. And as I talked about last week, we're going to as well, which I think will help with all of this. This term, we're, we're going to do this thing called the big catch-up, where we're encouraging everybody who sees themselves as part of St. John's to take the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody about three things, about their faith and how they're doing in their faith. Are there any barriers to, to growing? What would help? It's about faith, about how connected you feel to the body, if there are any barriers to that that we need to hear about, that we can help with. And then about serving and ways in which we're serving, whether we need help to discover what our gifts are, whether that is helping us flourish or feeling like a burden. So it's an opportunity for people to, 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 to share and to, to speak about those things. And there'll be more to, to hear about that over the coming weeks as we get that going. But that's just to flag that up. But if you're trusting Jesus, Paul is saying here in this chapter, 
You are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of it. This, this body of Christ is for those who have started trusting Jesus, as, we, as we've seen back in verse 13. So, you know, if, that, if we know actually we're listening to all this, but we're thinking, actually, I'm not sure where I personally stand with Jesus. I'm not sure what I think about these things. Well, actually, that's where the focus needs to be for you to get clear what it means to trust in Jesus. And we want, as always, to help with that and to assist in whatever way we can before you start to think about what you should be doing in the body. Get clear on what it means to trust in Jesus. But if, we, if, we're, if we're trusting Jesus, we're part of the body, well, let's be praying for each other that we would know and discover the part that we've been given and serve in the body together. Let's pray now. So, Father, we thank you for these verses. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and the gift of your Holy Spirit and the body that you have brought us together to be. Help us neither to overvalue nor undervalue particular gifts or people and to find our place to use the gifts that you've given us if we're trusting in Jesus to serve in this body that is who we are as we wait for Jesus to return as we struggle on through in a fallen world as we deal with our own weakness and sin thank you that we have each other as the body might we encourage each other and build each other up as we do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.